Hey everybody, what is up? It's Antonio. Welcome to episode 22 of Teach Play Disc Golf, a Gladiator Disc Golf podcast. I'm so excited for today's episode. But before we get into it, I just have to say I'm so sorry I wasn't able to get an episode out last week. I actually recorded most of this episode that I'm actually that I'm recording right now. But I was just unhappy with the quality, and there are a couple reasons for that. Mainly, uh, I, I recorded it later than normal, and so I was just tired. I didn't have as much energy as I normally like to have, and I felt like I was just rambling a lot, and it wasn't good content. And so I didn't want to put that content out, and so I'm uh, re-recording the tips that uh, I'm talking about in this episode, the disc review, and the uh, tournament recap is going to be a little bit different uh, because we'll mainly just be recapping the last two weeks and quickly looking forward to uh, the tournament coming up this weekend. So that all to say, today we're going to be talking about how to throw hyzers, and then the disc review will be on the Lone Star Disc Harrier. We'll follow that up by recapping um, <clears throat> the Mid-America Open and the Yarva Open, I believe is how it's pronounced. Uh, I had notes on the European Open, and I just decided that, you know what, happened two weeks ago, it's kind of old news a little bit at, at this point. I may still mention some things, but then we're going to look forward to the Disc Golf Pro Tour Discraft Ledgestone Open event. Sorry about that phone notification there. So I'm excited for the show, so let's go ahead and let's get right into it. Okay, so today's disc golf tip is how to throw hyzer. Now, I know that may seem a little elementary, um, a little basic, but it's really important that we learn how to throw hyzer because typically when we think about throwing a hyzer, what do most golfers do? They grab that overstable fairway or distance driver, they point it at the ground, and they basically throw it that way. So they throw a hyzer with an overstable disc. And while that is one method of doing it, you are restricting yourself. If that's the only time that you throw hyzer or that's the only way you know how to throw a hyzer, you're actually restricting your ability to throw a bunch of different shots with varying degrees of hyzer and different reactions in the air and on the ground. So let's go ahead and let's start by talking about the different ways to throw it. So like you know, I kind of just mentioned, you can throw a hyzer angle with the disc. Another way that you can throw hyzer is by kind of just throwing it flat and letting it fade. You know, um, a lot of times, well, basically the way you get a disc to hyzer more easily is by throwing a disc that has fade. So you may hear, uh, oh, it hyzered out early or it faded early. Those terms are sometimes interchangeable. And so for all intents and purposes of this episode, we'll say throwing it flat and letting it fade kind of counts as a hyzer because you're hyzering it more than likely towards the target or around some barrier. The third way that you can throw a hyzer is by throwing a stall shot. Now a stall shot is when you get air under the disc by throwing it up into the air. Um, and basically you're allowing the disc to just slow down about you know anywhere from 30 to 200 feet up in the air, or if you can throw it that far, I mean 200 feet in the air is really high. So maybe like 100 feet up in the air for the average disc golfer would be a little bit more believable. Um, but normally around the 50 foot mark up in the air, you throw it up that way, and then as the disc slows down, as it continues to climb, it's going to start to drop and fade. And so you can hyzer that way. 
And then the final way to throw a hyzer is actually nose up. Now, before we get into the finer details of all these things, I will just say throwing the disc nose up to get a hyzer effect is not something that everybody should do. You should only try to throw nose up when you're confident and comfortable throwing the disc nose down or flat, okay? If you are still working on your nose angle control, do not mess around with throwing the disc nose up to get hyzer because that's basically going to mess up a lot of your progress. You wanna have that nose down flat angle down pat basically, okay? And so those are the four ways that I've seen, I've recorded, you know, how to throw hyzer. You can do all four of these more or less with any stability of disc except the flat and let it fade because if you throw a disc, an understable disc flat, it's probably going to turn. Even some neutral discs will turn and not really fade. So all the other ones though, you can get a disc to fade. Now, why would you want to throw an understable disc on hyzer or even a neutral disc on hyzer? That's a great question. And this comes back to the point I made in the beginning of the video, in the beginning of the show, saying that if you only throw an overstable disc on a hyzer angle, you're restricting yourself in options. When you throw that same hyzer angle, that forced hyzer angle with an overstable, neutral, and understable disc, you're going to get three completely different flights. And fairly, uh, they'll be a little similar, but some different ground reactions as well. An overstable disc is obviously going to go left really quick. A neutral disc may try to stand up a little bit, but that neutral disc is going to push further. So you're going to have what you might hear people call a forward fade, uh, something that kind of pushes as it continues to fade. And then an understable disc on a hyzer angle is typically what's done for a hyzer flip throw. But even if it never completely flips up, if you're powering it down really good, typically uh, understable discs are going to have a lot of glide. And so you're going to get something that's really going to carry forward and really carry left depending on the amount of power and the, ang the, the severity of the angle. You might get something that really carries to the left for a right hand backhand throwing a backhand hyzer. Um, so that's kind of just, you know, in that one particular instance with just throwing the hyzer angle and the different stabilities, the way that you can figure out how this all works for you is to go to a field, take a bunch of different stabilities and throw them with these different methods, flat and let it fade. Pretty much we'll only need to do that for the overstable discs, but the other three throwing on a hyzer angle, a stall shot, nose up, throw those, uh, Throw with those kinds of alter uh, adjustments, not alterations, adjustments, and you will find that each of the discs are going to do something a little different. Now, the end result is going to be the same. They're all going to hyzer, but it's how they get from point A to point B that can be really, really helpful when you're out on the course. Sometimes you need something that's going to push forward a little more. Sometimes you need something that's going to cut the angle really quick and just get around the corner. But if you never practice with the different discs you have, you won't know, in theory, which one uh, to throw in your moment of need. I also recommend messing around with this on the forehand as well, not just the backhand. But if you have a forehand or you're working on your forehand, do this to kind of figure out how the disc is going to react. We, uh, from experience and from what a lot of other disc golfers have said, 
on the forehand, the disc kind of turn tends to turn a little bit more. So you're going to get a little bit more hyzer flip play on the forehand, potentially depending on your skill level. But that is, those are a few examples of how the stability of the disc will help you determine the best option to throw. It's really important to get familiar with your bag, see them out on the field, because you're going to have to gauge out on the course what is the best uh, option, what do I need the disc to do. Now, when it comes to ground play, an overstable disc is going to skip a lot. It's the way the edges just um, hit the ground, the angle that it typically hits the ground, and just, you know, you'll normally get that big spiking uh, flare skip that a lot of players are looking for. Overstable discs are great for that. Neutral discs can also get some pretty good skip, but just with how they don't fade nearly as hard, um, you may have to compensate for that and put a little bit more fade on or a little bit more angle on the disc. But in a typical tr normal hyzer angle shot, a neutral disc will still skip, but it's not going to necessarily have the same kind of flare skip that an overstable disc would. A, an understable disc, on the other hand, can finish one of two ways in my experience. Even on a hyzer, you may find that an, an understable disc will still hold hyzer, but it may start to kind of finish flat as that stability kind of evens out. You may, that's one thing. The other thing is you may still get some skip and you may get some glidey skip, maybe some hovering along the ground a good bit, but uh, in my experience, I don't really get a lot of flare skips with an understable disc, typically because as it hits the ground, you don't really know what the disc can do. Sometimes it can turn a little bit on like a second flight, so to speak. So if you really want the skip from the hyzer, throw an overstable disc. If you want something that's going to push forward and have a, a, a more minimal skip, it's still going to skip, but it's uh, a more minor skip compared to overstable, throw a neutral disc. And if you want something that's going to have a smaller skip, but have a lot of carry, you're going to want to throw the understable disc. Now, I hope that you found that all super, super helpful. I'm really excited over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to be talking about, obviously, I just talked about how to throw hyzer. I'll be covering how to throw anhyzer with different stabilities, and then also how to throw straight and flat with different uh, stabilities. Now, I have talked about how to throw straight and flat before, and that's kind of more dealing with the extension. But here we're talking about discs and disc selection and stability-wise that we'll tackle that issue again. So I hope you guys found this tip helpful. If you need help with this skill, send me a video on GiveGo, send me a message, and I can coach you. If you use discount code Rajiro, you'll get your first video for free. And you'll see that code running along the ticker on the bottom of the screen here. And if you're listening, you'll find it in the description as well. So that is how I can help you. Also, if you want just more communal uh, feedback from a community of disc golfers who are all into supporting each other and teaching people how to play disc golf, join my Discord and you can get some uh, advice and tips there as well. Now let's go ahead and let's get into our disc review, which is sponsored by OTB Discs. If you head to otbdiscs.com, use discount code GladiatorDG for free shipping. 
Today's disc is the Lone Star Disc Harrier, and I am so excited to review this disc with you. This The Harrier is an understable distance driver. It's 12 speed, six glide, minus three turn, and two fade. This is high speed, understable. So this disc right out of the box is very flippy. Uh, that 12 speed, six glide is real. That minus three turn you could even argue that it's potentially minus four turn and the two fade depending on your arm speed you might notice but i think even the average arm speed you know someone who's hitting over 300 feet is going to uh, not quite notice two fade on this disc i'd say it's closer to minus uh, to one fade so it has decent dome like you can hear right there the rim though even though it's a 12 speed it doesn't feel all that wide, and maybe it's because I've been getting more comfortable with distance drivers and faster fairway drivers, but the 12-speed rim here doesn't feel that wide. feels comfortable for the forehand. Like I said, there's not too much dome, so it doesn't feel awkward, but this disc is so overstable that throwing it on a forehand causing, would cause it to turn a little bit more just because of that kind of torque, so I wouldn't throw this disc on forehand a whole lot. So overall, I would say that this disc, high-speed understable, super flippy out of the box, probably closer to something like 12.6 minus 4.1. And it is absolutely a tailwind bomber. Um, it doesn't matter your arm speed. You are not going to throw this disc in a headwind um, because even if you're trying to go for the roller, I almost feel like it's a little too finicky to get something like that. Now, if you have a roller and like a tailwind or something, that's a completely different story. But for something like with a headwind, if you're trying to throw a roller, don't go something this flippy. It's just gonna burn and turn, or turn and burn <laughs> is the right way to say it, turn and burn. You're gonna want something with a touch more stability than this, but absolutely a tailwind bomber. This is a disc that you can definitely take out to an open course and have a lot of fun with it. Now, I'm a huge proponent of understable and neutral discs because I just think they're kind of the best. Um, but also, I love playing in the woods, and those are the kinds of discs that you want to have when you're playing in the woods. This disc, though, I would argue is possibly too understable for playing in the woods. And the reason I say that is because it, it's, its turn, its understability is just slightly too unpredictable. Yes, it's flippy, but you have to get really dialed in with a disc like this to figure out exactly how much angle uh, you need to put on it to get a certain degree of turn. But because it is so understable and will turn so easily, it can be really hard trying to dial that in. And there are just other options out there for woods play when you need something that will hyzer flip and turn and then come back and finish on a fade that will be a lot more reliable than something this flippy. So I would not recommend this uh, for the average to above average disc golfer for your like go-to woods driver on a tightly wooded course, not just something that has trees. Uh, here and there but on an open course even with trees here or there but it absolutely like wide open this is going to be your go-to distance driver especially in a tailwind um, and in a right to left crosswind it would be super helpful too because it's going to help fight uh, fight off a little bit of that turn and get some really good distance a little bit more fade like we were talking about you know playing with the wind there in your favor so 
I'm not ready for distance drivers in my bag. I'm not ready to put this in bag and then throw it all the time, but it's a lot of fun. I definitely enjoy messing around with it and it'll be really cool to kind of continue using it to test my arm speed and just see what kind of separation can I get between this distance driver and the fairway drivers that I have in my bag. So that is the Lone Star Disc Harrier 12 speed understable distance driver. If you want to check it out, go ahead and head to otbdiscs.com and use discount code GladiatorDG. Now we are just moving along here in this episode. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and start with our tournament recap. We had a couple uh, events this past weekend. Two weekends ago, we had the European Open. FPO was a complete uh, dominating performance by Kristen Tatar. She won by 15 strokes. Um, second through 10th was a lot closer, but Kristen was just completely out of this world playing so well. MPO had so many players in the European Open that were in the mix up until the last couple of holes. And if you hadn't seen it already, Anthony Barella had a complete meltdown on hole 16, which is so unfortunate. But I will say, and it's part of the reason I brought this up, the, the Discraft uh, Ledgestone Open is coming up this weekend, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. But Anthony posted the island shot. I think it's... I think it's hole seven, but I'm probably wrong. I don't recall the whole number, but it's over the body of water with basically the island green on the other side. And literally the caption of him with him throwing is saying, working on my island shots or something like that. And hole 16 at European Open was an island shot that he took like uh, an eight or nine on that hole, like an something just absurd. Or no, more than an eight or nine. He went like eight strokes over par or something like that. Uh, octuple bogey or something um, but yeah so I thought that was really funny I thought that was a great way to just kind of own up like hey you really did not perform well two weeks ago on an island hole and so you're just laughing about it and working on it now and in the video he did make the landing zone so I'm excited for AB but enough about the European Open let's talk about the Mid-America Open now I did not watch this event but I saw enough on social media to and previous uh, years when I've watched it and seen it that they really need to stop doing the Mid-America Open, which is at Harmony Benz in Liberty, Missouri. I believe it's Liberty, but it's definitely in Missouri in the middle of the summer. It's like it must be the rainy season. I've spent many summers uh, time here and there, uh, different parts of the summer in Missouri, and it was never that rainy. But every year, this part of Missouri just seems to get a ton of rain. And every year, Harmony Benz gets obliterated, and that course is nearly unplayable. And to be having a Disc Golf Pro Tour Silver Series there, I saw someone saying um, on, a, on a Slack group, Disc Golf Slack group that I'm a part of, like none of the players on the lead card looked like they wanted to be there. And that's the last thing you want when you're running an event, is your players completely unhappy with the conditions. Now, obviously, you can't control the conditions, but you can control the time of year that you host a tournament. So hopefully the rain goes away in the future. Hopefully they uh, adjust some of it. It would be horrible for them to just completely take that course off the list, you know, off tour. But hopefully they can move it around and kind of make up for it in that kind of way. You know, move it to a different part of the year when the weather may be a little bit more cooperative. Now, I will say Harmony Benz, a great wooded course, very competitive, very tough. Um, but never having those ideal conditions, it is um, 
it has made for some interesting uh, interesting scores. And so we're going to go ahead and let's look at how everything panned out last uh, this past weekend. Andrew Presnell finished in first at minus 24. In second, after the playoff, I believe the playoff, Gannon Burr also finished minus 24. Yeah, that would make sense, the playoff there. And then Kyle Klein in third place at minus 21. Fourth place, Chandler Kramer at minus 20. Tied for fifth, Joseph Anderson and Nico LaCastro at minus 19. Tied for seventh, Chris Clemens, Joel Freeman at minus 18. Ninth place, Cole Rodallon at minus 17. And then several players tied for 10th. Freddie Meza, Mason Ford, Aaron Gossage, Jake Hebenheimer, and Connor Rock tied for 10th at minus 14. So 14 stroke separation between 1st and 10th. In the FPO field, we had Owen Scoggins winning it at minus 15, followed by Alexis Mandahano at minus 13. Third place was a tie with Kat Merch and Lisa Fakis at minus 9. And then a huge separation for fifth place, Valerie Mandahano and Holland Hanley tied for fifth at minus one. Eight strokes between third and fifth. Seventh place, Holland Finley at plus three. Hannah Wen, eighth place at plus four. Cadence Burge, ninth at plus five. And then Cynthia Ricciotti, tenth at plus seven. So that was the, uh, the Mid-America Open. Now let's go ahead and let's quickly recap the Jarva or Yarva Open powered by prodigy now i watched a little bit more of this and by a little bit more i was able to watch the uh <laughs> mpo uh final 18 the final round um i was out of town this weekend i just did not get to watch any disc golf but i was so happy to see who won and this course is rated number one on udisc in the world uh, yes, it has made some changes since those world rankings last came out, but it's expected to, if not retain that number one ranking, to at least re- you know still be in the top five, let alone the top ten. Um, so that is really cool. One thing about this course, as I'm looking at the standings right now, it's really cool seeing a lot more European players um, in the mix here. A lot of players that played in the European Open, uh, Americans, I should say, that played in the European Open, took this past week off to kind of travel, come back, get reacclimated with um, with jet lag so that they could prepare for uh, the Discraft Ledgestone Open, um, which is a big event, so uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite Series. So definitely makes sense to take that week off in between. So MPO, super happy. Luke Humphreys, first place at minus 21. A couple years ago, Luke won. I believe it was uh, the Waco as well, Waco Annual Charity Open. So happy to see him. He's actually the first American to win a European Pro Tour event, which is really cool. I don't know how long that specifically has been running, but that is still really cool uh, and a great accomplishment for him. In second place, we had Isaac Robinson at minus 18. Third place, two... uh, Timu Talakanen at minus 15, tied also with Henrik Hogman at minus 15 for third place. Fifth place, uh, Yuho uh, <laughs> Parvanan at minus 14, tied with Alden Harris as well at minus 14. Seventh place, Kevin Jones minus 13, tied for eighth is Rasmus Tumanen and Emmanuel Banks at minus 10. Banks, I believe is how that's is said. And then tied for 10th, 
Lucas Rokanen and Ezra Robinson at minus ninth. So a good degree of separation, about 12 strokes separating first from 10th. Um, what was really cool watching final round coverage for MPO is that this is an event that's hosted by Prodigy, and it was four Prodigy players on the lead card. It was Luke Humphreys, Alden Harris, Kevin Jones, and Henry Cogman, um, all Prodigy sponsored on the lead card. I'm not going to go into a big thing about Prodigy, but after the after the way the season started for them with Gannon Burr and that whole debacle, it's really cool seeing a lot of their younger uh, their young talent just continue to perform and rise to the top of competition. And super happy for Luke Humphreys uh, getting that win. Good for him. Happy for him. Um, FPO, I'm just going to do top three because it was pretty much all European players. I don't see anyone that I would assume is uh, an American player. Maybe Rachel Turton. She got six. Um, but also just these names are very, uh, <laughs> they, they are testing me. So first place, Olivia Kinstead at minus four. Good for her. The only FPO player under par. Second place, Sophie Bjorkic at even. Uh, Bjorlik, uh, Bjorlik, I believe. And then third place, uh, Anneli uh, Tugas Maneste at plus two. And so we're just going <laughs> to, we'll stop right there. Um, but very, very cool. Uh, Yarva, I believe is how it's pronounced, is a really cool course and definitely one that I want to go to uh, those Scandinavian countries, Finland, Sweden, Switzerland, and uh, Norway and all, and just play all the different courses that are up in that area. It's just such a beautiful part of the world. I definitely want to get there one day. Um, so yeah, so now let's go and let's talk about the Discraft Ledgestone Open. It used to be D-Glow, which was Discraft Great Lakes Open, I believe, but it's been changed to Ledgestone, even though I want to call it D-Glow because it's much easier and it sounds better than D-Lo or something like that. You know, Discraft Ledgestone Open. But anyway, we have seen this course for many years now. It's a very cool course. It's got some iconic holes. Uh, like I said, Anthony Burrell shoot, uh, throwing over the water. You also have the water tower hole that so many players have hit. And then practice rounds, you see them trying to hit, the, like Ezra Aderhold, I think a year or two ago, hit the top of the water tower. Uh, so just really uh, a really cool course, fun course. It's fun to watch because of the well-known holes. There's a lot of artificial OB, and they've really had to patchwork some holes together. But even in that, they've been able to make it work. It's been uh, a lot of fun to watch. I am excited for this event. I am planning on actually watching more of it <laughs> this weekend than I have uh, with previous uh, tournaments the last couple of weeks. This summer has just been so busy. I don't know about you guys, but it's been busy for me. And so uh, I'm excited that as things are starting to slow down, uh, I'll be able to start watching some more disc golf. So U-Disc does not have the Grip 6 picks up yet, but that is okay because I am on the PJ website right now trying to um, see who is on the list to play so that we can... Hold on just a second. So we can talk about some of those players. Where is it? Okay, there we go. Finally. Woo. And Eureka, Illinois. Okay. So looking at the lineup that we have here, we have a lot of the top 
the, yeah, pretty much everybody is here. Everybody that needs to be here is here. I'm going to do a quick search for um, Macbeth to see he is not playing the Ledgestone Open. Okay. He's not playing. I mean, that's fine. Uh, he played a lot in Europe anyway if he's taking a break. But yeah, so it'll be really cool. We have all the big names are showing up. Ah, <laughs> my light went out. <laughs> well, that is a sign. I'm going to have to wrap this up pretty soon. So I turned the other light up a little brighter. So if you're watching the video, I apologize. But uh, Discraft Ledgestone Open is happening this weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. MPO is a super stacked field. It is a full house. FPO also looks like a, it's another stacked field. We have all the players there. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm really looking forward to it, and I hope you are too. I will definitely be making my Grip 6 picks, and if you want to see those, join my Discord channel. I show them there nearly every week, if I remember. I share my picks there, and uh, you'll be able to kind of uh, join the conversation and uh, see who I'm picking this week, and we can just keep talk about the tournament. We have a tournament chatter page, so we're always talking during the weekend about what's happening out on the professional disc golf course. And yeah, so that is all I have for you today, everybody. A much shorter episode than normal. Went uh, pretty quick through a couple things, but I wanted to get this episode out to you. And I hope that you uh, learned something new about how to throw hyzer. I hope the disc review of the Lone Star Disc Harrier intrigued you. And especially if you are looking for a new understable distance driver, or you're looking to kind of get your feet wet with distance drivers, the Harrier is a great place to start. Here at Teach Play Disc Golf, as the name states, we are we prioritize teaching disc golf. So I want to encourage you to go out this week and teach someone how to play, whether it's in person or if you're just, you know, talking to someone online, whether it's on a Facebook group, a Reddit thread, threads itself, Instagram, Discord, wherever you are, wherever you are. Teach someone how to play disc golf. Give them a tip. Give them some help. Take someone new out to the course and have some fun with it. But make sure that you also get out and go play this week and this weekend as much as you can. We've been having some beautiful weather. I'm excited to get out this week and play some disc golf. That's all I have for you today, everybody. Until next time, have a great round.